Once again, we need to make a rap for that and have Bridger do it. I don't rap. Oh, whatever. He's so full of crap. One of these days we're going to make this guy sing because he's unless really it's unless it's. Uh, can we do a drunk like episode? Vanilla Ice or something. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, we need to do a drunk episode. Get him we to better prob- better stop recording at eight a.m. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. We wanted to do it at eight a.m. Well, we used to record in the evening. Remember that? We need last, to start doing that again. That well, that one show that we did with the our, uh, last year's ATA. Yeah, and I had my contigo full of yeah i think i put like half a bottle of whiskey in there but our 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 17 year old video dude might not be able to stay out that late someone say dd he's just he's just looking at over at us i wish you could put him on video right now be so funny it's okay we'll get him one of these days you gotta talk say hey say hey Braden. hello there he is all right folks this is scott with leading edge archery i don't even know what we're talking about today we got some a lot of crap to talk about maybe i don't know um, there's a lot going on. Kind of wing it because there's a lot going on in the industry. I wanted to actually do a state of the archery industry news podcast, and then also talk about the the whole new bows coming out. I mean, we've been lucky enough to shoot some of them, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. New bows, new colors, colors. There are some new colors out. I just thought it was funny. Hoyt didn't. Bring out a new target bow. They just made a buckskin and a wilderness. In a wilderness. Invicta. Invicta. That was pretty wild. Is this the third year for the Invicta? Uh, yeah. Uh, this will be the third. Yeah. They haven't done three years on a target bow. In, in a while? A long time. Um, didn't the Prevail run three? Mm-mm. Really? Two. You did two? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember seeing Chris. He had his blue Invicta at Texas Shootout 2019. Or no, at nationals, so it was already out. Yeah, There's not two lot. years for them. There's only two companies I think that did big changes that I know of. Yeah, you, know, you hear the rumor mill. Of course, we know some people in the industry, so thank goodness we get some insider information. And I think only two companies did big changes. You know, and I'll tell you now, it's Elite and Prime. Mm-hmm. Prime's change is massive. It was the biggest change. Yeah, without a doubt. I think some people are going to be shocked. I can't tell you what it is. We can't talk about that right now, but maybe by the time this episode reels, maybe we can talk about it. Can we? I don't know. We'll just leave it as a surprise. Well, no, we can actually talk about it because we're not going to release this for what, two weeks? Three weeks? A no, month? I don't, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but they're not releasing that bow until like yeah, December. Right. Yeah, we can't talk about it. You then. guys are listening to us sit here and have conversations we probably should have had earlier. <laughs> exactly. It's all good. Welcome to the behind the scenes. Right. This podcast is not always perfect. No. But there there are going to be some major changes. And from seeing that prime bow, I mean, I was baffled. Just It's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how I feel about prime. You know what's funny, too, is you think about it from an from an pure engineering perspective it's a wheel with strings and a piece of metal it's not a lot to it you know what can be so groundbreaking and so amazing this one was pretty big i mean it's crazy yeah. <clears throat> they changed quite a bit elites elite made some pretty big changes yeah they made some pretty big changes matthews glued three more inches onto the riser yeah that's they, they, the last seven years either it's a halo either you either cut it off or you glue it on yeah exactly <laughs> funny we had a guy call the other day looking for a cam for a triax i said look they're never going to tell you this but you can use any cam up to the triax really it's got a cc2 cc3 number separation i said it's the same damn cam dude until they went to switch weight <laughs> you could use the same cam for what 
four years, I think, wasn't it? From the Halon to the Triax, it was four years. Three. Three. Halon, yeah. Halon 32, Triax. Triax, yeah. And, well, and also the Traverse. So you can, yeah. use, you can use that cam. There's four different models that use the same cam. Kind of like PSC, they all use the Evolve cam. Mm-hmm. That's hey, I think it's a good idea. Personally, yeah. I would just market it that way. Instead, they put these different part numbers on there to try to enforce your warranty and all this stuff, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's the same darn cam. Just yeah. call it that what it is. And yeah, just run it. Let your consumers save some money when they're looking for a, a bent cam. But who am I? Exactly. Soapbox. Soapbox. Don't get me started. Hey, but we're going to talk about some uh, big news came out this week. And this is why we kind of need to try to get so Braden Cummings, our new video dude, is going to be editing, correct? Correct. So he'll be doing the editing. We're going to start with doing the video. We had a really cool idea, but I think none of us were awake enough to actually do it. Yeah, so next show we'll shoot. definitely do it. We're, we're going to go out and shoot a game while we record. Yeah, so you guys can hear us yell and cuss. And you can see watch throw things, which is always fun. Eh. I, I think thrown, we'll be okay. I haven't thrown a release in a while. You haven't? Yeah, he's been doing good. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I almost did the other day. I've been <clears> shooting for outside for that Jordan shoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Thought about it. So we're going to talk about that, too. We guess that's Shooting cool outside stuff. brings that out, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah. It, it does it to me. I mean, every time I'm out there, I, I either want to throw a release, a bow, mm -hmm. a chair. Something. Something. Get up and walk Frustrating. away. Frustrating. Just get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Just can't. I'm a prisoner. Yeah. So, anyways, no. The uh, so Braden's going to start editing our video and our audio footage, so we can get these things out more timely. Because one of the things we're going to talk about now, which will be old news, I mean, kind of, if we don't release for a while, is the ATA show. Yeah. And some mega changes regarding the ATA. Um, a big four manufacturers have already pulled out, and that's been officially announced. Out. It's Bowtech, Hoyt, Matthews, and Elite, the yeah. outdoor group. Um, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, two of the biggest in the industry, Matthews and Hoyt, are not going. And Bridger, you said it you know, earlier. Well, yeah, why would yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> you mean you mean Elite's or Matthews and Hoyt and everybody's marketing department's like, wait a minute. We had our biggest year last year without spending between one hundred and fifty and two hundred fifty thousand dollars to run a booth out here. That's cheap, and which means their reps can actually do their job and make more money yeah. without having them, without the company having to spend time going up there to bring everybody up there, as well as you know the reps <clears> not <throat> having to take time out of writing. You know, I mean, obviously they're there writing orders and stuff, but but they you can be traveling to shops and building better relationships right. with guys you know, in person at the stores selling the same or more bows yeah. than they would have at the ATA show. And they're not having to, they're not having to wade through all the, the marketing BS, all yeah. the Instagram. Hunter, well, you uh, said it best that shit like that. One guy uh, actually talked about the 25%. I mean, yeah. What do you put a down quarter there? Of the, quarter of the people there are Chinese trying to rip off products. No yep. quarter of the people there are, media trying to get sponsorships quarter of the people there are instagram people trying to get sponsorships mm -hmm. and the last 25 percent are actual dealers trying to go and write their orders all year exactly 
And that's what the show is intended for. People, I don't know if people will understand that. The ATA show was created for the, uh, to give the dealers a chance to go to one place at one time and buy everything they need for the entire year. Mm-hmm. And it get, also, on the other side of it, it gives manufacturers a place to get everything that they make. And this is, and I think what's most beneficial for the ATA is the small line manufacturers, the guys who make broadheads out of their garage. Yeah. Um, a tooth of the arrow comes to mind because they came out like four or five years ago out of nowhere. Um, for me, they were best in show that year because 100% machine broadhead, no moving parts whatsoever. And they wrote pretty much all their business for that year at the ATA show. They don't have sales reps. You know, they don't even have people to get on the phones and call shops. One place mm-hmm. to make it all happen. And now it's divested into this massive... I mean, I hate to say I mean, it's just a big shit show. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's turned terrible. into a consumer show. It is. And it's the thing. And even the dealers, you know, depending on how big you are, I can't remember what the deal is, but how many tickets you get or how many passes you get. And I think it goes by revenue, but you know, we'll get eight or nine passes and two of us are going to go from the shop that, and then we're going to give seven or eight of them away to our buddies, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what happens. And then it turns mm-hmm. into, like you said, the consumer show. It's it's just like shot show. Oh, it's horrible, dude. When I when I used to go and work with uh, Carbon Express and Faradine, I would just go run the shooting booth for the crossbows and mm-hmm. answer questions about arrows and whatnot. But got the amount of guys that were there, like, oh yeah, I'm here. My buddy owns this shop, or my buddy got passes and we bought extra ones through him, or I'm with such and such media company or with such and such random I have Facebook. Th- I have a hundred thousand likes. Yeah. yeah I got, I got 10,000 followers on Instagram or I got 10,000 followers on yeah. subscribers on it, YouTube. And it's like, okay, great. Well, and it goes back to the other episode, which we may or may not air, which is, you know, we did the one ranting and bitching about the internet and how it's negatively and positively affecting archery. And there's another example of that. You got, these Instagram, these Insta famous people that are driving, and I'm not going to say they don't drive product sales because they do. Yeah, but they don't always drive it in a positive way. I mean, a, a is lot there of, a negative way? Uh, okay, so for example, and I'll say it because I probably won't ever use it. I used to think, you know, I I want to practice at home or something like that. So I was like, all right, Acubo, decent idea. And then all of a sudden, here comes all these. Instagram celebrity chicks that, oh, we're sponsored by Acubo and we're sponsored by Acubo and this and that. And I looked at their pages and half of them didn't even know how to properly shoot a bow. No. Like their their stuff was completely whack, yet Acubo is dumping their money on sponsoring these uh, Instagram celebrities. Insta sluts. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's no no sugarcoating it. It, it just, you know, it it, it kind of rubs the, the people that are actually out there shooting yeah, and putting it in work. I don't know if that thing's even relevant anymore. We actually sold quite a few the first year they came out. They were hot at the ATA show that year. Yeah, but then... It was just a fad because it was kind of new, different, cool. I mean... A new way to practice. Yeah. It's just a big rubber band. Yep. That's all it was. Rubber band with a piece of plastic on it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When you shot it, though, when you they said you could actually shoot it... That sucker sounded like a three hundred eight going off. Yeah, it, it did. Loud. Dude, it was loud. I mean, it got your attention in yeah. a hurry. I, we had a couple in here, and people would shoot them, and it would. I, would, I immediately thought somebody would blow up a bow. Well, half the time it gave you tendonitis too, because the, the <laughs> yeah, amount the vibration. of vibration in it yeah. was. I mean, it was great to test stabilizers, mm-hmm. but but yeah, no, I I think that 
there are some people out there who do influence the the industry in a positive way, but I think the negative far outweighs the positive when it comes to yeah. all these people attending shows. And I saw it at Shot Show. You go to Shot Show, and yeah, you know you've got the big gun manufacturers and everything, but half of them are just sitting there taking pictures with people. So I was listening to a podcast driving home yesterday from Laredo, and um, I listened to Bass Talk Live. I'm a, I love bass fishing. There's no doubt. And um, they were talking about how the internet and how marketing has changed, at least in that industry. And I I felt the same way in archery. Because you remember back in the day, you know, I would sit there and wait for the guy, our male guy to deliver, you know, the Bassmaster magazine or Archery World. Yeah. Um, We used to have subscriptions to seven or eight different outdoor magazines. And it was really the only way you could get information at the time. So I would just soak all of it up and read, read like crazy. And I couldn't wait till the next issue came out and imagine now magazine prints kind of, I, I can't tell you the last time I bought one. No, I, I got archery from the NFA, that magazine. I got it in the mail that's the other day the, and I was like, that's probably the only archery Whoa. magazine I get anymore. Yeah. And we used to have, I'm trying, golly, now bow hunting, remember. bow hunter. Well, like yeah. bow hunter or bowhunting.com. Yeah. Eastman. Eastman's. Eastman's uh, was a big well, one. Well, even like on the target side, uh, golly, I can't, maybe it was called the professional archer or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. There was one guy they that ran had that yeah. for a few years. That mm-hmm. was pretty decent where we had a lot of pros writing in. But uh, now you don't have any articles and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's all, all, it's all social it's media. It's all digital basically. print. Yeah. But and I haven't even seen that magazine digitally. No, they don't. I don't think they have. You know, it's funny you say that. There's because you don't need it. Well, you don't need it between Bojunky and Cam, and everybody having their own page, Instagram. You don't need it anymore. I mean, these guys. There's more content out there. That's what they were talking about. The amount of content that is available to the fisherman today or to the archer today. Let's say it's yeah. The amount it's it's almost mind boggling. Yeah. And then you got you know this guy was talking about how he thought it was a negative. Once again, if you're talking about archery, is it a negative? I don't know. But he was talking about the amount of information that you have to sift through to find out what's relevant and what's not, what's right and what's wrong is so it can almost set you back years instead of getting you where you need to be. Like he was talking about, you know, <clears throat> to put it in our, in our world, instead of going to a pro shop and learning from somebody who's, who lives it day in and day out versus sitting there and going through the internet, which we have so many customers who do this and go through all the information, try all the stuff only to still end up maybe coming full circle back to the pro shop to say, okay, this is not working. I don't know why. Why do you think our number one <laughs> tip is stay off the internet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, really that's kind of what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's exactly what happens with us. Well, hell, I mean, you say you were talking or listening to that podcast. You just had a guy or the guy that has that podcast said he quit fishing professionally oh, yeah. because, because it was so much more profitable to do the, yeah. the media side, private media side. Yep. He's making more money doing his podcast than he is fishing the tour. So at the end of the day, you know, why, why do the other? I mean, yeah. it's, <clears throat> I mean, he's, you know, he was talking about that exact subject. He miss he misses the passion of competing and stuff like that. But man, he's making so much money on the, and they do a, they do a podcast every day. That's what blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's their job. Away. But that's his job. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild, but... I don't think I could do that. <laughs> you know what's funny? When we first started this, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You know, we all were excited. And now it seems like we got to record Tuesday. Oh, God. 
what are we talking about? I mean, it's still fun. It is fun. But. There's just been, we're, we're kind of in a, in a lull right now, you know? Yeah. We're coming off of elk season. Honey uh, season just started. Honey season here in Texas is kicking off. The rut's about to kick in. Indoors coming around. You got a whole bunch of stuff going on in the internet world, which is cool because at least it gives us something to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit of a drag. Yeah. Well, back but we're to the, excited. Yeah. Back to the ATA. So the ATA with pulling these big manufacturers pulling out, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I think the ATA has completely is off the rails. Yeah. And I mean, I'm talking about leadership and everything. And I know some of the guys that are on their board. Um, it needs to be completely revamped. It needs to be shut down, gutted and redone. And then, and you know, I'm, and I'm not against having a consumer trade show. I think they should, if that's what they want to do. Um, but they've got to get a pulse for the manufacturers. You know, at the end of the day, these manufacturers run the show. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's their, it's their baby. Um, and I don't know what's right or wrong there. I don't, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. I mean, do you think there needs to be a consumer trade show? I mean, I don't think one could be a bad thing, but like if they're trying to have this show in order to sell, you know, new product and stuff, I don't know the, that a consumer show is the way you need to go. Yeah. Especially if you want to keep shops alive. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing. Cause I think that's one of the biggest issues is that, you know, and to kind of go down a rabbit hole is, is the internet as a whole, as a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought it was that big a deal. I've had some of the guys that I know that run shops for years that before I opened this one talk about the internet and how dangerous it is. And I never bought that. I was like, man, just do good work and they're not going to do it. You know, that's bull crap. I'm seeing it here every well, yeah, day. If you're, going, if you're a manufacturer and you're going consumer direct, like yeah, everybody's doing, obviously you want a consumer <clears throat> show because you're going to sell more product. You're going to have a higher profit margin on everything. So, so what I would like to see, and I'm going to bring up a company out there, and I don't care about calling them out. Annihilator Broadheads, great example. Annihilator Broadheads came out what two years ago, I think, or a year ago. Uh, they like did. That. They pulled the Matthews mantra. They went in and pro- I bet you they spent more money on marketing than they did on product development and product as far as manufacturing. They were all over the internet, every social media site on the planet, every print that they could get into, every TV, you name it, they were there. To the point that you as a consumer go, man, I got I just got to try these. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because one of our guys ran into the, one of the, I think one of the owners in Montana, you know, and he's made a comment, well, you know, why doesn't Scott like, like our broadheads? And here, I'm going to say it publicly. Um, a big reason is, is because of their internet sales. I would bet you, and this is what I like to see from the manufacturers, where your sales are at percentage-wise, consumer direct, to your shops, mm-hmm. to your distributors. Those three pieces of data I'd love to see. Because I'm telling you, there's some companies out there who do more consumer direct, and I won't carry Annihilator for that reason. Everybody orders them direct from them. Yeah. Why am I going to put them in the shop? I'm not competing with the U.S. mail to deliver your... To, to deliver that broadhead. It's just, I'm not interested. Well, as a matter of fact, direct competition with them to sell with their them, own product. To sell their own product. Exactly. And, or if you're going to do that, your internet price to that consumer needs to be 10, 15% more than it is in the shops to help drive the business in the right direction. But that's yeah. not happening. So 
guys like Annihilator, and I'll tell you, there's another site company, Black Gold. I'll call them out. Don't care. They're the same way. I don't carry their sites because they do so much consumer direct and not even consumer direct. Man, they put that site. Joe's Fishing Shop probably has them and has the ability to sell them. Um, because they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. I ask guys when they bring them in, you know, where'd you get that? And some of the answers I get blow my mind. I mean, like, they'll sell to anybody. The worst one is when a lot of these companies, they go and they open up their own Amazon stores. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? You're competing against your own dealers. Because they're, they're so concerned about... And, and I don't, so here's the deal. Do you blame them or not? Because they're so concerned about that sale. Yeah. And if they don't compete in that, in that genre... Somebody else will. My competitor is, and I'm, getting, and I'm not getting my product out there. Well, and they're, they're making 30, 30 extra points on it. Yeah, to be honest, hell, they're so making a hard, fortune. I mean, it's hard to blame them, but I mean, that does help degrade shops quite a bit. Oh, it kills them. I mean, I never, ever, ever thought that we'd have to go to where we're charging 50 bucks to install a site. I, I, that was something, if you would have asked me five years ago when we opened up, I'm like, I'm never doing that. That's mm-hmm. retarded. It takes me 30 seconds to put it on and about five minutes to, to level it, you know, and then maybe 10 minutes to get them sighted in at 20 yards. I mean, it's a 30-minute process. <clears throat> now... I, I think you, we, you have have to, to. we have to rethink that yeah. because here's the deal. If that guy, what, what behavior are we driving? You can go buy your site online, get it sometimes faster than the manufacturer or the dealer can get it, mm-hmm. bring it in, get it set up, leveled, sighted in, and you never have to pay anything more than the price that you're buying it from the consumer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of crazy. The only way that's changing is if every shop goes out and charges a hundred bucks for that service. So now that, site that they found online for 250 bucks is now 350 bucks. Yeah. So you create a service plan pretty much. Yeah. You buy it for me, you get that for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, and I mean, that's something we, you know, a bridge we got across this year for sure, because we're seeing, I'm seeing more and more and more of that. I think there are more companies and let's be honest. I think that the, every company is probably considering consumer direct. Yeah. Every manufacturer. Well, it's and- got, I, I promise you they're talking about it. And going back to the ATA, sometimes if, let's say you're not going to go out there and carry a bunch of those products, just from traveling last year, you can go to any shoot and hit up the same manufacturers and probably work out your orders there as well. You can go to Pro-Am and you can hit up Hoyt, Matthews, Prime, mm-hmm. Trueball, Easton, all those guys are out there. You can talk to the reps, fill your orders. And you don't have to battle all the 100, 200 people with cameras in their faces oh out there at the, at the trade show. So and it's just like that. Yeah. I well, don't know. You're right. But yeah, but, but what, so how do you handle it? I mean, do you, and I think it's a big question what's going to happen with the ATA, whether it is going to, you know, I just want to go for the well, drama. <laughs> well, the other industries, I can tell you what they do. Like for example, I'll use boats as an example, cause I know it so well, there's never a big, as big as a boating industry is, there's not one big boat show that, no, there's, a, there's a couple the in Florida, isn't there? No, they're actually regional. So what happens okay. is, by and actually sometimes by state, and you probably had this in Iowa, mm. spring boat show in your state, all the retailers, dealers from around the, the state will come to one common place and have the boat show. Yeah. And that will represent the brands that they, that they have, and it's done state by state by state. And that way you can more tailor your, your sales around what's popular in your region or your area of the country mm-hmm. instead of going to one big boat show that you're going to look at million dollar yachts down to a little 
little dingy know, skiff dingy, yeah. you know, for $2,000. And that's, and that's, that's the difference between them. And maybe that's where we go to where, but I don't think this model is going to work moving forward with the ATA. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I saw it in the military as well. A lot of the military trade shows that I went to, that was, of course it's military equipment. So it's kind of stupid for me to bring it up, but that was 100% no consumer. Like that was dealt with the people that were actually well, that, buying and that's it. what and the, the sales shot, were. The SHOT Show was supposed to be that. Yeah. And I mean, SHOT Show, shot show really only. does not have a lot of consumer products. If you go down to the basement, the very first floor, yeah, you will have some people that are out there selling you like beads for your shotgun yeah, or something right, like right, that, but right. you cannot physically buy any big parts. No. Because um, it was a it was a retail, I mean, excuse me, it was a dealer only. Dealer show. only. You, you had to have, to have a have, dealer license to get into that show. Yeah. And then half the people won't but even now, talk to you if you don't even if you don't have an FFL. And it's not that way now. No, now all you need is ten thousand followers and a and a gimbal with a with a phone and you're so good. So let's go back to that. Is that do you fault the manufacturers for shifting into that ten because let's be honest. It's free marketing. That's the new marketing. It yeah. is. It's free, it's free marketing. marketing. You've talked about it so many times. Oh my god. You know, you buy a bow, they send you a hat, and you wear that hat religiously. Like, exactly. It's free marketing. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's so you, the million dollar question is, do you fault them for that? If that is the way, if that's the way of the future and that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I would start giving away a leading edge hat with every bow sale that you make. Here's a hat and here's a t-shirt. Come back. Yeah. It's free marketing. So yeah, you can't really blame them. But But is it the right or wrong thing to do? I'm going to just be on the sideline on that one. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's right. I don't, I don't know. The, the issue with going towards like what the boating industry does with the boat shows is that kind of puts, I mean, cause those are all consumer. They are. They're, consumer those shows. are consumer shows. Yeah. Without a doubt. Consumer shows that are driven by the boat dealers. So how often, how, what do you think the chances are of grabbing every Bow dealer in the state of Texas and putting us all in the same room to try no and sell bows. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Never thought about it that way. That'd be funny as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that might not work. Because then you, you all be competing for the same business. You know, mm-hmm. they sell there too. Even though you don't take it home, mm-hmm. you buy an order, mm-hmm. and that's what drives. But it's it's unique though. You think about it. I mean, if you if you were to have a nationwide rollout at the same time for the manufacturers and you could take that new bow and let it be demoed there to the consumer yeah, and take orders right there, you know, and then you shove those back to the manufacturers is another way for the manufacturers to get direct forecasting sales mm-hmm. right into their, into their shops quick. I don't know. That's, it's just going to be interesting to see how this thing pans out and how it works out. Cause man, there is two completely different polarizing sides of the story. I mean, mm-hmm. Do you let the consumers in or, and, or do you make it manufacturing only? I think personally the ATA will cease to, I don't say cease to exist, but the show as we know it will not work moving forward unless they go one or the other. There's just no way. You know, you're, you're going to want to, they're going to either want to sell a crap load of tickets for you, make a consumer. Could you imagine seriously how big you think the ATA would be if they literally let you buy oh, tickets dude. to it? I mean, the last time I was there when it was a full show, I guess would have been 2019. Three, three or four years ago, yeah. And like, I mean, it was bumper to bumper in there yeah. the entire time. And I've said this before, like talking about the show and passing, but like if you went all three days of the show and spent like 15 seconds at every booth, you still wouldn't make it to every You can't booth, mathematically do Which it. is super, I mean, it's super cool because there, 
there are like smaller companies that pay for, you know, don't pay as much that get a 10 by 10 booth. Right. They may have one really specific cool product. Like you, you had mentioned tooth of the arrow broadheads. Right. right. It may be somebody with like a backpack clip for your bow or something, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. something random. Like some, there are going to be actual products that are really, yeah. I mean, not relevant. necessarily industry changing, but relevant news, new products that, you know, normally wouldn't get the exposure. And because it's not as, you know, because there's not 10,000 people there, like there would be with a consumer show, like they, they actually get a little bit more limelight. Right. But man, even then it, it is hard to find them. Dude, it was, yeah, it while. is. But, and it, it, so I think, you know, when you have that, that makes it so when you do have like the Instagram people there or different media people there, it helps bring light to those smaller guys. So, I don't think it goes, or I don't think you need to say like those people don't belong in a dealer only show because right. they, they do bring a little bit of limelight to a, maybe a smaller company or smaller product that wouldn't normally get it. Right. But I don't no, know. But like you said, four years ago when it was packed, now imagine literally, I think there'd be three times that many people. Oh, if it was, consu- if, if it, it was, was consumer. like consumer show. Yeah. yeah. Three oh, times yeah. because you, you're going to what the first week of January, everyone's got a uh, holiday hangover. They, they want to get out yeah. of the freaking house. Um, there's really nothing going on as far as, you know, outdoor activities, indoor archery starting to ramp up a little bit, but still at the end of the day, it's a perfect time as far as what I call cabin fever. It's cold mm-hmm. out. People can go to a trade show and spend who knows how many days. It, you can make it a week long show and you'd still be packed every single mm-hmm. day on a week long sure. basis. But um, yeah, it's it mind boggling to see what they could or, you know, and, and maybe that's what the manufacturers want. I mean, they could sell tickets until they're to the ends of the earth and it would never end, I think. Yeah. But on the other side, because we're a retailer, I would love to see them go back to what they did before. You know, let us go there and do our ordering and that helps the manufacturers because they can forecast. and Actually go and look and learn look about and learn. a product. Exactly. As opposed to having to fight 30 people just to get up and talk to talk to somebody about ordering arrow shafts. Or- oh my gosh. Quivers, the Insta famous people are the most. That is the most mind boggling part of that entire show. I mean, those people they look cameras. I mean, it looks like news channels running there. I mean, I did it. I've done it before too, though. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. You'll see everybody doing that right there. (laughs) But it's. I mean, you can't fault them because they're they're, help. Most people are making a living doing that now. A lot of people do that. Yeah, making a living on the internet. I know, uh, I know one of the guys that, that I've talked to, uh, he had a, a full-time job, everything. He dropped it just to play video games on Twitch and stream. That's all he does from like, I don't know, four o'clock to two o'clock in the morning or something. Really? Yep. Just on online and I, a bunch of people pay money to watch him. <laughs> I don't fault him. Like, I, that's just- dude. Give me all your money. Last time I worked the show, I bet it was about 50-50 dealers to people like walking around doing some sort of media. I agree. 50-50. That's about what I see. I mean, I wasn't working with a bow manufacturer. I was working. You were a Muddy. Yeah, I was a Muddy. So it was tree stands, box blinds, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Tree stand accessories. But That's crazy. Yeah, it was the year when they got bought by GSM, so. It was all the tree stand and tree stand accessory stuff, and then the rest of GM, GSM. 
but I bet it was 50-50 between actual retailers wanting to come and talk about the product, which, I mean, you know, like we don't carry tree stands as a right as a bow shop. So most of the ones we we're talking to, especially with big game and stuff like that, it was bigger box stores, Shields, Bass Pro, guys so like that. That begs or, to ask. Or bigger feed style stores. Did you guys but, need to be there? Oh, well, they didn't. Probably not. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I can get the fact that some of these manufacturers are like, why do we need to be there? I think, I think large manufacturers like that to where they're selling high to volume. To the big shows, to the big stores. high volume, they don't need to be there. But yeah. going back going back to what I said before, like those smaller companies, like right. you mentioned, Tooth the Arrow, yeah. they benefit from that show way more. Oh, yeah, by far. Than what, you know, a Matthews or Elite would benefit yeah. from that. Because, every, like, we already know the day that Matthews comes out with their bow, we already know what that, you know, we already understand at least yeah. what that bow is just by looking at the spec numbers. Right, exactly. Whereas if it's a product we've never seen before, it's nice to be able to actually grab it and hold it with your own hands and get to look at it and figure out what the product's all about. Right. I mean, a big name bow like that, it's not, I guess to me, it's not quite as important. No. <laughs> Well, because well, I mean, we, I mean, I the amount saying, of no. media that that stuff oh, gets, like the information on it is already out okay. of the ether. So, do we, something that's not going to, you know, so do we talk about your broadheads isn't going to pay ten thousand dollars to have a Facebook ad pop up <laughs> on everybody's ma- news feed? So, do we, well, here's a great example. Do we? I mean, and God, you tell. I, this has been in my head now since we started this sh- episode this morning. This show, it's dangerous. I mean, the the levitate. Oh, the new PSC bow. That one blows me away. I, yeah. No, I mean, seriously, that, that is an exact example of the power of marketing. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, because yeah, you, just said it, you just said it a second ago. It's, you know, it's a bow. Mm-hmm. We know what it is compared to the Mach 1, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And we're just going to leave it at that. But because of the marketing that's behind that bow with one individual, I am shocked. We've already sold... We've back like two or three. Of them. No, uh, no, we've already got like four deposits. Mm-hmm. I have, I think we have one left because you were only allowed to order five. They had a PSC, I think did a, did a study and they said, yeah, their bandwidth to get this bow out into the hands of the shops is five per shop in the U S. So all we're allowed to order. And, um, you're going to need more. And I only ordered two because I thought, yeah, okay, there's going to be two guys who are going to be, you know, hot and Surprise. heavy on the brand. Um, yeah, the, the, those went like within the first two days well, of release. And I was just absolutely blown away because the bow went up like $400. Yeah. I mean, in price again, marketing. And for you, you're in a very peculiar situation because you are in Bernie slash San Antonio. Mm-hmm. You know how PSC works a lot with the black rifle guys mm-hmm. and they're all here. So a lot of people watch them shoot it. Guess what? This shop carries PSE, so yeah. we're going to go get it. Oh, dude, You're about to get bombarded. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's... Okay, but PSE sold those four bows. Do you think they would have sold five... you think they'd sell five bows if they spent a quarter that quarter million dollars going to ATA show? Like, they're not selling any... That's why these no, companies are no less. out. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have to go. They don't have to go. That, no. that money. Because they put the marketing into the Instagram with Dudley which probably didn't cost him a dime. Seriously. I mean, it what cost, it cost him, him what it cost him, but... Well, you're, they get a lot more out of that dollar spent than they do. Yeah, without a doubt. Because with him comes all the 
the people that follow him and the people that follow them and the follow, it's just a, a cascade of a free advertisement or free marketing. Yes. It doesn't cost him anything. It drives their sales. And like Bridger said, why go, why go out there and spend a whole bunch of money when they can just stick with what they got? Yeah. It makes absolutely, I don't blame them. Let's put it that way. And like Bridger said a minute ago, it's not, I mean, if you look at the dollar spent in the ATA versus the dollar spent in that exact marketing model with Dudley and Instagram, mm-hmm. the, the the payback on that is exponentially a thousand times on the side of Instagram. Yeah. It's not even close. I don't know, man. I, I, and that's what, that's the thing that, you know, that as a shop owner, I get a little nervous about, you know, because I think there's always going to be a place for the shop, but you know, and we'll, you know, we can talk about this cause I actually wanted to discuss, you know, the, how big of a role are you going to play? Well, that's it in the future. And then, you know, you put down, you look at this economic world we live in right now and we've talked about, I mean, I've been, gosh, I've been talking to anybody and everybody who is a, in the, in the e- economic forecasting game yeah, from oil to, to product, to service customers that we have that I know in certain markets, you know, and to talk about what they're seeing for this next year, 2022 um, and not to get political and I don't want to get political, but it's, not good. it's looking really not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked, we talked to a couple of guys who are oil speculators. I mean, their job is to forecast demand and what they, and these guys look out one to five years, yeah. you know, a lot of rumors right now that some of them, not rumors, substantiated supply and demand that oil is going to be, you know, $200 a barrel. People don't realize if it hits that, that's six bucks a gallon at the tank, at the, at the pump. Yeah. That shuts your economy down. Well, and that's just here. That's just here. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure oh, that, I think California is already at that price. Right they're now. already close to that. And I mean, yeah. we just got back from, you know, making that trip to Colorado and we were three, three fifty, mm-hmm. three eighty a gallon, you know, here we're under three still barely. So you, you take that and just that alone. And what worries me too, is that I'm, I've always felt this way, you know, from taking econ in college and stuff that I w- I never worry about recession and worry about people pulling money out of the, out of the uh, market. Um, until food prices get Banks high. going dry. Yeah. Well, uh, the food is a big one. I mean, when, and food is up 30 to 45% right now. I saw that back in 2004, 2005. Uh, yeah. Actually, right before I left to Iraq, I was really worried about that because gas prices had soared. Mm-hmm. So now transportation <coughs> went up. So food prices went up. Yep. Well, if you can't buy food, how the hell am I going to spend money on, on entertainment or outdoor gear? Yeah. You know, I'm going to spend the money where I need it. Right. Instead of, Instead of going out well, and, and that's, buying all these leisure things. And that's terrifying because now that food is up, when you see that inflation hit food, that is that is a basic need necessity for us to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I think you're going to see the market become bearish and you're not going to see near the, uh, I, I, I don't know. And I hope I'm wrong. I just don't know if we're going to see the sustain, the growth that we've seen in the last two years because of COVID. I don't, I, I didn't think it was sustainable back then. Dude, it might it might actually go the other way. Man, there's no okay, way. so remember remember when COVID hit and you guys had that that elder lady come in here trying to buy a bow. Oh yeah. So food prices go up. I'm pretty sure a lot of more a lot more people are going to be hunting. I mean, in a in a cultural climate like Texas, we we got that push, and I think across the country, everybody got the recreational push Correct. on the archery front. But I don't know that everywhere is going to have the 
the ability to hunt. I need a crossbow so I can shoot the deer in my backyard. And well, yeah, you just look at eagles running around my ranch. You just take every big city, which mm-hmm. kind of runs most states. I mean, those city people are they're they're not they're not going hunting. I mean, if they can't buy it at Kroger's or H E B, I mean, Publix, they're not. I mean, that's what I'm saying, and that's what worries me as a as a retailer is that how that's going to affect our market moving forward. It's definitely going to affect the way that that we buy next year. I'm going to probably pull back a little bit because I just don't think it's sustainable. I really don't. With with everything going to where it is inflationary right now, there's going to be less and less disposable income. Hell, think about it. Nobody's working. Let's be honest. Nobody wants Nobody. to work. <laughs> so now you can take whatever government subsidy you're getting to to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And if things get more expensive, that's going to get a little tighter. And I don't know if they're going to be spending money on you know these extracurricular activities like archery guns boats who knows everything i think it's going to affect everything a little bit yeah you don't want to be the guy that ordered a bunch of bows and you still have a brand new switchback sitting in your yeah. in your shop trying oh. to sell yeah it's going to be weird i mean for sure because it's <sighs> um these are weird times gloomy <laughs> it's not glo- well it is kind of kind of not it's not all bad though it's not all bad and i'm going to twist it around because good stuff is coming indoor season yeah Yeehaw. We, we might have an, a, an actual indoor season this year. Yeah. The way it looks right now, we are. Vegas opened up all the registration yesterday. Vegas registration opened. Lancaster changed their shoot-up format. What'd they do? Adding that. Oh, the bonus ring. ring. Yeah. That's Which actually a I think it's kind of cool. That's the first real change in indoor archery we've seen since, really, since Lancaster started and kind of adopted the Iowa Pro <coughs> scoring with yeah. the X's 11. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they did the they did the bonus ring last year for World Archery, but it was all virtual. So, oh yeah, you know, and I think it was only for recurve. Yeah, so I mean, but I mean, it's actually being implemented into a a legit you know, big tournament. tournament. Yeah, so that'll be kind of kind of sad that Neem is canceled. Neem already canceled, I believe. Neem or no JVD Kings of Archery canceled. Archery might have been, yeah. yeah, I don't know about Neem, but the way that that things are going over there. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, but everything else looks like it's, it's on track. You know, you, uh, it doesn't make any sense why Neem would cancel. Cause they, they still had all the world archery events last year. Didn't they? Yeah. I mean, people were traveling. I know Guillotine and all those guys were traveling all, all over the world, cups all the stuff. world cups, which, but you know what? Let's switch gears the, a little. Well, those are a little different because Neem is an open, open tournament. Whereas those are all invite only. They're inv- invitationals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Plus outdoor versus indoor. You never know. Yeah, with COVID. Mm. That stuff's just not going away. Yeah. <laughs> it's retarded. I've I've so I read something the other day that they're on like mutation number fifty eight or something okay. like that. Yeah. I was what so it's kinda of sad to say, but I couldn't fall asleep. Driving back from Laredo, I drank a gallon of coffee. So I was laying in there and watching all the Senate hearings that were going on in the last two weeks with all the uh judicial nominees that are out there. Mm-hmm. You talking about something that'll blow your mind? <laughs> I mean, I don't pay attention to politics much, but I don't even know how I went down that rabbit hole. But it was like an hour and a half worth of Cotton and Rand Paul and these guys just eviscerating these people. And they had one guy on there who's apparently the head of the NIH, you know. And I respect I respect Rand Paul because the guy's a doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he knows what he's talking about. Fauci and puppies. And yeah. All that. No, it was crazy, but you know and. Uh, Sometimes you just got to err to the side of common sense. And he's, he's ripping this guy because he says, look, A, you're a lawyer. 
you have no medical background, you have no science background, yet you're running across the country telling everybody who doesn't get vaccinated that you're an earther, I think he called them, or something, where he's calling these people something about vaccines, and you're trying to get everyone to be vaccinated, and you're not listening to the science. Because there are, so we as a country, because we're run politically, aren't even doing these studies. But across the world, China, I think it was China. And I don't trust the, China to the begin U, with. Yeah, okay. With the UK, Israel, some other big countries are doing studies and they're coming out and everybody's finding out that people who get the virus actually have a better immunity to it by, na- by nature than the vaccines created. And, I'm immortal. You yeah. might have to cut that out. YouTube's not going to like you saying that. I don't care. <laughs> and uh, no, but it's, it's true. And he's throwing these facts at the guy. And the guy was like, just, he's, was hilarious to watch him squirm. He's in the back of the corner and he's just completely screwed and he knows it. He Damn it, dude. We're going to get one of those little banners pop yeah, up no at the kidding. bottom. Like, <laughs> click here for, yeah. for information. Of We're going to get fat checks. How do we get on sure. that? I don't know, but I will tell you something. If if that is true, then I'm pretty you're, freaking you're immortal. Yeah, you're yeah. super immortal. Exactly. Hell yeah. Exactly. No, but I, I got everything. Well, that's why I think so some of these, uh, the, the world archery stuff is going to be tough. And depending on how this whole thing ends up panning out, and like with names, if they canceled, it all real. depends on the country's restrictions yeah. and, and what they do. But I know that at least for us, I mean, Siwats are back on uh, here in Texas. All the all the regional and local tournaments are on. NFAA indoors is going to happen mm-hmm. this year. Uh, take, I'd like to see Vegas move back to the weekend we have the championship only. Oh, that had to be so nice. Move it, move it later. It's yeah. the biggest indoor tournament of the year. Why not have it last? Yeah. Yeah, because it had to be so of, nice. Instead of indoor nationals. Like, it's like we peak with indoor archery because, you know, we have Lancaster and then a couple weeks and then Vegas. Mm-hmm. I guess this year it's like one week in between or something. Right. But we have the two, you know, we have Vegas or Lancaster and then the biggest indoor tournament of the year, biggest tournament of the year, Vegas. And that's like the culmination of indoor season. Correct. And then a month and a half later, we had <clears throat> indoor national. Yeah. Right. Like that makes no, no like sense. nothing happens in between. No, and it, I never understood. Between well, there's a Vegas pro-am. and indoor national. Well, no, there's a, yeah, there's, there's now, two there, pro-ams. There's a 3D, yeah, there's two 3D shoots. Yeah. yeah. And then we got to go back to indoor. And, and that, like that, for, for and us on the Paris side, we have um, Worlds in Dubai in February. Mm-hmm. So you go from outdoor? indoor. Yeah. You go from indoor to outdoor. To possibly back to indoor. Yeah, the, the NFAA makes no sense of having that tournament in March. I mean, it just literally makes no sense. It's springtime. And, and I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll say here, like, the amount of money the NFAA spends to have a freaking roller go out and grade all that dirt in the arena and then put carpet down <laughs> yeah. is insane. Yeah. And they would spend a lot less money just so, doing it on bare pavement. Well, uh, after the road, because there's a rodeo. There's a rodeo the weekend before, yeah, the, the or after after yeah. the after the Vegas shoot. So wouldn't it wouldn't it make more sense too? Because the NFAA kind of they're the administrator of the Vegas shoot. Mm-hmm. They don't actually host it, but they're they're the administrator. It, wouldn't it be advantageous for them just to throw indoor nationals five spot right at the end of it, or in between it, or just have I the mean, whole thing? If you want to try and do an indoor version of what they did in like in Yankton the last two years, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, throw put 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 indoor nationals in February. Yeah. Let us shoot that in Yankton or Louisville or whatever, wherever, yeah. and then do Vegas in Vegas in the end of February or March. Yeah, yeah. I just think you got to somehow get away from the the overlap of outdoor for 3D. Well, I That's I think doing that too would you're not going to lose participation in Vegas. No, because no. I mean we still had 
I mean, it was, I think it was a register, uh, a record for championship registration because that was the only thing available. Available. So yeah, everybody to travel to. to do that. Yeah. So you're not going to lose out on registration for that. And because you're moving indoor nationals up, you're probably going to boost registration for that slightly. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I think that it would, I think it boosted up big time because a lot of guys that are going, that went to Foley and then go to Fort Benning, they're not setting up their bow for indoor. They're just saying that I'm not going to nationals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a th- the- literally, you're almost a, ha- you're almost, ha- you're one turn away from being halfway over with an ASA season. Why the hell would you go back and shoot indoor? Yeah. Or the hell, there's a lot of guys that just go shoot the 3D setups. Mm-hmm. McCarthy does it. Yeah. Joseph Goza does just it. Just get some reps. Yeah, get some reps. Yeah. They, well, they have to do it contractually, brother. You know, yeah, so they, the what Marshall the hell. Lynch thing. Here's so I don't get fired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they just show, you know, we'll show yeah. up with a 3D bow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Throw, they're, put indoor nationals in the middle of the season, boost your registration. Guys are, yeah, I mean, we're shooting for a hundred grand in Vegas, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys are going to have an actual setup for that. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to just mail that one in. Right. Most guys aren't anyway. No. no. So, hell, throw that thing and put that in March, have that be our last tournament, and then have indoor nationals a little earlier. I'm game for that. That's a good idea, actually. Really good idea. Somebody's listening. Bridger for president. (laughs) No kidding. That's what we need. I'm just saying, I, I enjoyed having Vegas later in the year. Yeah. And I don't know if it's so much as like the, timeline of when it happened but more so like when it happened during the season so you know compared to all the other tournaments to go back to that the last two years now you guys have been going i mean think about it i mean you've been this tournament here this discipline then you jump over this and you're jumping over that i mean the last two or three years that has been all over the map Mm -hmm. i mean just going i mean you you were setting up your bow it seemed like different every other week Mm -hmm. i mean did that parody add more complexity and fun to it or did it make a complete pain in the butt? I mean, I guess it depends on who you are. If you're, you know, a, a dominant 3d shooter, I suppose it wouldn't be super advantageous, advantageous yeah. but <laughs> I mean, I enjoy tuning bows. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And luckily mine sets up easy enough. All I really did was just swap my rest. That's right. all I had to do, but. I mean, for some guys that shoot a completely different setup, especially if you're somebody that goes from NFA and ASA into USA archery stuff, where you go from no, basically no equipment, uh, no equipment stipulations to 60 pounds, no electronics, especially when most guys are shooting, you know, on electronic with higher poundage for 3D or NFA to have, you know, having those stipulations for USA can right. make setting up a bow a little more difficult. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'll give a shout out to Paige. She's doing that world that shoot in Jordan with quote unquote world archery rules, or at least that format, but not making us adhere to world archery equipment rules. Yeah, that's a good so, thing. So, people, if you guys don't know, uh, Bridger's going to the country of Jordan two, three weeks. Yeah, it's like no, right around November tenth is yeah. when the tournament's being held. And uh, I'm good. assuming everybody's kind of seen a little bit about. You know, pages. She's gone on Greg's podcast a couple of times talking about it. Yeah, numerous things on Facebook and Instagram. Right, and that's that's a tournament, professional tournament. You guys are shooting really as an is it an ex exhibition? It's an exhibition, it's an exhibition from what I believe. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're they're throwing money up. What do you think the what's the driving force behind it? They're bringing, from what I understand, they were bringing archery to the country of Jordan. Yeah, essentially jump starting a program. 
or yeah, jump starting a federation in Jordan. Gotcha. So, because because of the local laws there and everything, archery equipment was considered a weapon, so they weren't allowed to privately own them, especially for recreation. And Paige just kind of helped bring that forward along with other people that she had gotten in contact and right. started doing some business and stuff with that lived there. And well, she's like, I remember talking to her about this a number of years ago, as far as like getting people in Jordan introduced to the sport of archery. Well, isn't she working directly with like the king, the man? So they are having to work with the government. I don't know if, okay. like what I, relationship she has with. I'm pretty sure it's done through a middleman. But that's crazy. Well, that's awesome, though. I mean, so that's going to be a great experience and kind of a cool tournament. Yeah, it'll, that, it'll be interesting. And yeah. and it's awesome because a lot of those Middle Eastern countries, they run, when, when there's something that happens like that, it's run straight through the royal family. All right. Like the tournament in Dubai, the, the para tournament in Dubai, it usually runs through the prince. And he comes down to the field and hangs out with people and really? throws high fives. Yeah. That's so, cool. Those families got, are a good driving. If you guys are running world archery rules outside, it's an outdoor shoot. It's fifty, so it's fifty meters. You know, nine hundred seventy-two arrow qualification. Yeah. So normal qualification round, normal match play, fifteen arrow matches. Yeah, just like we would at the World Cup, but there's no sixty-pound draw weight rule, no equipment. Camo, you can shoot rule, a camo bow. Camo bow, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. There's no none of those stipulations, which. I think the poundage rule in USA is the dumbest rule ever. It's stupid. If it, well, the whole reason behind it is to equalize the field. Well, they equalize call. the field and help with target target decay and everything like that. But yet, Steve, when he got silver or bronze at world world field, Steve's got a thirty two and a half inch draw length. He's <laughs> yeah. shooting three hundred twelve feet per second. The most I can get out of my bow at sixty pounds is yeah, two seventy five exactly. Yeah. There, there's nothing you can do about that, and I agree. That's the dumbest rule ever. Which one's my cough? There's a lot of archaic rules, though. <laughs> there are. That's, that's the problem. I mean, it's it's like uh, I don't know. It's and once again, you know, we talked about go down this rabbit hole. Archaic rules. You know, I get I've been getting all this 4H stuff recently. God dang, it's mind numbing. Um, I was talking to a lady about a it this weekend. Gauge that isn't a 23. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I actually had a customer. Well, I actually got one of the guys I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. Brandon Wolfel, he's went there with a PS23 and they have a gauge. I didn't know this. They've got a gauge that they've designed and created. And if you can't slide the arrow through the gauge, you can't shoot it. They they say it's a 23, but yet. This is how stupid. It's got to be smaller than. Yeah, this is how stupid they are, too, though. So some of the point manufacturers, and this is where the, he got in trouble. The points we had got him were, God. They were so small. I'm talking thousands of an inch, barely. So he couldn't get it through the point. The shaft would go through. The point wouldn't. This is how dumb they are. So you know you can't shoot those arrows. Understanding if you shoot an oversized point with an undersized shaft, that is a huge disadvantage. Because mm-hmm. then you're tearing this big-ass hole that may cut the line. But then the arrow shaft being smaller in diameter will be laying outside the line because it's smaller. Mm-hmm. So it actually hurts you. Mm. <laughs> and these re. No, I'm going to say it, retard. These morons in 4H <laughs> would not let him compete with an arrow that is registered as a PS23. 23,000 series. Nope, sorry, can't shoot it. I mean, ask how stupid they are. That's, I mean, that organization has just lost its cookies in that, in that regard. And then you look at how they compete. I've always said this, 4H has a clout. 
program, which was probably done in the 1950s. I, I really want to go out there and do it. It's not that fun. It's USA, stupid. USA yeah, Archery still does Cummings it. does it. Do they really? They, at nationals, they still do the cloud event. Yeah. Oh my God. My favorite is wand. You're shooting at a little, basically like a T-post size stripe on a piece of foam. You don't worry about left and right. You just have to worry about up and down, getting it within this little thumb size stripe. And they How have, far away? Uh, I shot it so long ago. I think I was a junior then, so it would have been 20, 30 yards, something like that. Not very far. I mean... I'm okay with that. I just don't like teaching little kids to shoot a bow in the air. I mean, what are you going to do? You get home and your seven-year-old son's out in the backyard shooting in the air, and he's like, I'm practicing for clout, Dad. You're going to yell at him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for real, dude. Do what every kid did in the backyard. We all did it. And then run like hell. Yeah. <laughs> get away from the arrow. But really, I mean, I that doesn't need, to be exi- it doesn't need to be in existence in today's world. And then the other one, the big one for me, is watching these poor parents. And I should be advocating this because we make a fortune off arrows. Buying two dozen arrows for because a they're going to break them. No, they're going to lose twelve to eighteen because of them a tournament. Don't they, they shoot sixty yards, unknown them. distance. Yes, sixty yards, bro, unknown. And I don't care if you're seven or sixteen. And I mean, these kids just—the parents say it. It sounds like every target. It sounds like arrows just flying everywhere through the course because these kids can't judge. Yeah. It's a non-needed skill set. I don't care what anyone says because we all use rangefinders now. That's not fun for them. No. It's not fun for anybody. So what happens is for as many kids you bring into archery, your dumb rules in the tournaments that you host, because they haven't been rewritten in over 30 years to keep up with the times and the yeah. equipment, the kid's going to be like, oh, I'm, and the parents too, I don't blame them. I'm, I'm not going to pay to have my kid lose a dozen arrows a tournament. I'm, I'm going to go back and start raising cattle mm-hmm. and show them pigs. Because there's a finite number of dollars there for feed and raising them and everything else. Here is an unknown. Unless your kid gets good at judging, which once again is a non-needed skill set. This man right here shoots professional archery, 50 yards, and he knows what the, range, the, 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 the numbers are. He knows the numbers. So, And that's the highest level of the sport that he shoots in. And we've got eight, nine-year-olds doing 60 unknown. Yeah. Asinine. And, and I was telling a lady, she was a, one of the directors for State 4-H, and I said, this is why I won't take over your program until you guys rewrite the rules. I mean, we every year we adopt something in our different organizations that helps bring the sport into the 21st century. You can't just write a set of criteria today and expect it to be the same in 30 years. Uh, it's sorry. Things change. Yeah. And, and like with Vegas, and not Vegas, but uh, Lancaster, I want you to talk about that come back around that new bonus ring. So how's that working this year? So it's from what I understand of it, it's, it's only during the shoot up round. So like what they actually broadcast when, live. Yeah. When they're doing the shoot up rounds for the finals and you can only call it once per end, you have to call on a certain spot and it's nine sixty four. So it's a dime. Yeah. It's a little bit bigger than a 27 series shaft. Gotcha. And that, that sits in the where the four and five ring or the S- sits six o'clock on the seven eight line. Seven eight line so at six. So if you miss, you're gonna get a seven or an eight. And you're done. So you're you're either gonna gain a point or you're gonna lose lose three. Two, two to three. No. Three, no. Four to five. Four to yeah. five. Yeah. That's scary. Mm-hmm. But that's what's making it that that'll be exciting. That, in my opinion, will make it fun to watch. I think it's cool because then it takes it from a don't miss competition, which is what it's been, mm-hmm. to a, you know, if 
if you and I are shooting off and you say, all right, well, I'm just, I'm shooting good. So I'm going to stay in the middle. You shoot, you shoot clean 132 and I miss one and I wait till my last arrow. I can be like, well, what the shit, heck? If I, if, you know, if I, it's either I hit this and we tie or the match is over anyways, because right. you've already shot 12 arrows into the X ring. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, go I, for like, it. Like, uh, you know, at least gets you a fighting chance. Yeah. That's why I think it makes, well, why indoor is so boring? Because like you said, it's a can't miss tournament. Mm-hmm. You miss one time, and I've always said it. If you miss two or three times, just you're go done. Home. Yeah, you're yeah. done. I mean, just it's a hard, it's pack a hard, it up and go home. It's hard target to hit, but it essentially does the same thing as what a 14 does at the ASA shoot down. Yeah, exactly. So it lets somebody that, you know, either is just out of it or, you know, maybe made a mistake in the shoot off, gives them an opportunity to come back in. And right, right. So you've got the bonus ring. The only thing that you need now is a little bit more interaction with the shooters. People showing some emotion. I mean, I, get I, a little bit of reality Rob, TV going. Rob is the only man that will sit there and talk to a shooter in the middle of a match. Like, oh, wow. You just missed that. You, that was a pretty bad nine. What do you think about that shot? <laughs> right in the middle. Of- right at full draw. Some of the looks that he gets for some of the shooters when it happens is, is it's hilarious. Oh, it's funny. Cause you just, you know, you got, you're so mad at yourself. You're ready to go nuclear, but you're on TV. So you can't, you have to play nice. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It, how funny would it be? This is you're in a shoot down. You're on international television. Rob's sitting there, and you're let's say you're winning or something. You're leading or you're at least even with your competitor, and mm-hmm. you pop a nine, and you see Bridger Deaton take that freaking release and launch it against the target. <laughs> I mean, you see, and you and you hear beep beep. Do you see golfers take their clubs Bro, and toss them in the in the lake? It's, it's good it's TV. A, it's the number one golfer on the planet can throw a freaking three iron into a lake. Yeah, so I'm saying it's good TV. Yeah, then you're all over Sports Center the rest of the night. <laughs> that golfer or that archer. I mean, and honestly, we've we've said this before. I think in prior episodes, that is what's missing in archery. A little bit. It of is excitement. the most boring. You know, it's you know, it's just like the old rules. I think USA Archer. I think they finally got rid of it, but World Archery at least. You know, white pants, white shirts, kind of like Wimbledon, oh, the uniform like Wimbledon, stuff. Wimbledon, yeah. the uniform stuff. I mean, and then you've got all these people that, you know, live in this little silo and mm-hmm. they're, they're like robots when they shoot. It's the most well, not I, fun thing to watch on planet earth. I think the bear community kind of broke the mold on that. Cause if you've seen those guys show up, it's like a cult. No, it is. They're That's wearing all kinds. Yeah. Interesting group of people, especially with, with their, with their leader, John Demmer. Oh, I love I mean, he shows up wearing like Huck camo shorts and Superman socks and, all kinds of crazy shit. I remember so. Jack or Jake, I can't remember who it was, in the recurve finals outdoor nationals three years ago. He came out in, in uh, who, what's in it? Champion shorts and a white t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> literally, red champion shorts. You can look it up on YouTube and a yeah. white, literally Hanes t-shirt. Because he was, I mean, I think it was just a little informal protest of their BS rules about not being able to wear a jersey of your choice, whether it be a shop or whatever. You know, and he just, oh, that, yeah, that, that was so damn funny. That was because of uh, trials. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, they, they have their, uh, it's the stupidest rule ever. Hell, they made me do it as a coach. Correct. I walked in there with, I had my leading edge archery jersey on. They called me out on it. So I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought, I still have them, three teal or blue colored polos. Yeah. I bought two Under Armors and a Nike. And I'll be dang if that stupid lady, I'm going to name her name is walking up and down the thing. It brings duct tape and puts it over top of my, 
my Nike insignia. Yeah. Or my in my underarm. And I'm talking these things are this big. They're tiny. They're big as a quarter. You weren't allowed to showcase any brands or anything. I just about had a heart attack. I was like, lady, there's hardly any clothing you can buy anymore that's not branded. Yeah. yeah. Unless you just buy regular t shirts. But you're right, that's that is what's missing in archery and how boring it is, especially with indoor. Oh, and you could God. sit there and throw Indoors. throw a bucket of paint on the wall and watch oh. it dry and it'd be more interesting than a bunch of people it's, slinging arrows inside. So that bonus ring, so I wish they would do it in qualifications too. Personally. Eh, I I like that it's only only in the match. Play. Only when it counts. Yeah. I can get behind it. Makes it that. a lot less confusing. Because if it, it well, the shoot off would probably what quadruple if they had it the other way in qualifications. It potentially could quadruple the shoot offs. Well, I mean, I don't think so. Really? Well, how would the shoot off quadruple? Well, how many guys miss? How many guys miss once? A lot. Well, yeah, but you're not going to make more shoot offs. You just keep the cut at the same number yeah. of no. People. What I'm saying, yeah, you know. but there's if if a guy's going to miss three X rings, the chances of him missing three of those little tiny ones goes up a little bit. So your, <laughs> score, your score split's going to be a lot higher. It's true. Yeah. I mean, they, it's the exact same thing that happened when they changed the X to six in World Archery and then we did it in NFA field. Like, it's the same guys winning. It just kind of spreads everything out a little more. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. And build some parity because you can, you're not yeah. out, theoretically. I mean, Jesse, I, everybody thought it was going to be the worst thing ever when they moved the X to six. And Jesse won field like eight years in a row prior to that, and he's won tw- won twice since then. Yeah. So it has added parity. So right. I would imagine it's going to do the same thing for indoors as well. For, yeah. For that tournament, not that there's not a lot of parity there, but no, you do have the same guys. I mean, it's still the same group. You know, that's what you I'm, know. Yeah, it's just going to spread the scores out, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's going to be interesting I think to see who's going to. It rewards the the better shooter more often. Yeah. Or whoever has the bigger cojones to go for it. Yeah, no kidding. Gotta hit it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it needs it. That sport is... I was just glad to see somebody finally do something cool. We have talked... We we hadn't even talked about this in the shop for years. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, put something out there at one o'clock or at ten o'clock. A bonus. Yeah, you wanted to do it like in. Oh, I wanted to do it here. Random in random places. I thought one of the coolest formats I'd seen was uh, up in the the upper peninsula of Michigan. They used to have what's called the Uper Pro Am. It was a field style shoot, but at a at feet of faces. Shot three arrows. X was eleven, and then in the like four or five ring, they had a fifteen ring. Oh yeah, at fifty meters. Well, at varying distances. Oh, varying distances. Field distances. Gotcha. Just a feet of style face. Gotcha. So, like, if you're at thirty yards, you can put two arrows in the eleven ring. Yeah. Have a twenty-two, and then potentially hit a fifteen for your last arrow. So you got to fight. You know, you got to say whether or not you're going to go for it. Right. And that's. I mean, that's a that's a huge. It's a big point swing. But it's a big enough point swing that if you miss one and then you hit two more, like you're going to finish with the same score as you. If you had shot three eleven, so it's still worth going after. Correct, keeps you in the game. Yeah, so you could still miss one, but if you hit a few of them, I tell you when I and when ASA allowed us to shoot fourteens and you know qualifying rounds, mm-hmm. I got ticked off one day and went after literally everyone. Twenty of them on a course was wasn't shooting good. Had a rough day and said I just I told my group I'm shooting fourteen for the rest of the day. I tried it. It doesn't work out well. Oh no, it never works. <laughs> it's out. bad. The, the first like three years we had OPA, I think. I, I know for sure the first year uh, of the five guys that made the shoot off, there was one 14 shot yeah. out of 
40 arrows per guy, only one 14 shot between five guys. Yeah. That made this shoot. Well, you, you got to be crazy strategic on when you do it, mm-hmm. when you need it, I think, and I what think, target. Yeah, I think Chance won that year, and the only 14 he shot at was in the shoot-off on the last arrow. Because he had and to it have was, it. Yeah, it was either 12 do or, to tie. Do or die. 12 to tie. Doesn't matter what else he hit, because he was going to get second place if he didn't hit a 14. So he, so he went after it. Yeah. Yeah. That's badass, though. So. See, that makes it fun for me. I mean, but, that's... That just goes to show, like, you, okay, yeah, you can get two extra points, but it's only two extra points. Two extra points, points. yeah. And when you're going to do it, and at what target are you going to do oh, it? Yeah. There was a lot of guys that shot under <laughs> that at least. shot below 400 that year. I mean, myself included, I got oh, yeah. waxed at that tournament. Yeah. Were you going after him when you shouldn't have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I missed that one. I got hit the next three. Yeah, exactly. Two three of those Dude, that's like... That's exactly what happened to me. I'll never forget it. it was at Fort Benning, that pro-am, and I went after every single... I literally went, shot 20 14s that day, and it did not end well. I think I ended up like 26 down. It was nice. not a good day. Well, that was a year Joe... Uh, Joby freaking tied his 14 card to his shoelace <laughs> <laughs> and just left it on the ground and shot at every single target. That is hilarious. No, nice. I mean, it's... There's going to be some interesting stuff next year, especially with new targets like that hyena target with extra spots oh, and stuff. I can't stand that target. I don't know. Uh, none of them. None of them look as bad as the the leopard. Yeah, the leopard looks like it's like I'm looking at a kaleidoscope. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. The worst target on ASA tour is the black boar. Period. You think so? Yeah, without a doubt. I hate that target. Because the twelve and the ten and all the bonus rings are not where they're supposed to be. There's not. A, yeah, it's weird. You got it's like weird. Aim in the guts. You got aim in the guts. You put it behind the shoulder, you're you're an eight. You know, if you go way way forward, you're a five. So, yeah, ASA is going to be interesting this year for sure, and it's going to be good to get back to a little bit of normalcy. I think for for most of the organizations and the events, even though you know we've had a lot of cancellation of events already this mm-hmm. fall. Um, I think some of the states are really you know holding it close to the chest and trying to decide if they're going to let tournaments happen if they're not. Um, but at least Vegas is in play. That's what everybody's kind of shooting. Vegas for. is happening. They've. Do you think there's going to be restrictions on that? Masks I mean, in the casino, probably, and stuff like that. I mean, I would assume they're going to have that. Yeah. They, they had, like the casino had us wearing masks and stuff when we were there earlier this year. Yeah. I don't know. I it's just it's, it's like the it's like the new normal. No. Yeah, I'm just going to come and throw some dice at the table. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. You know what's crazy, and you know mask mandates and everything like even the you know i noticed that when i was in laredo that it's becoming so commonplace now it's like you don't even pay attention to it anymore no you know and honestly and even the restaurants you know we were we were coming back from a trade show we did last week we were coming back around 10 11 o'clock at night we stopped at four places to eat and they were all a jam-packed you know, you couldn't even get a table and or they were closed early because, you know, most everything now, at least around here, is closing at nine o'clock. They can't get employees to work past nine. Mm-hmm. So it just closed. And I think it's become the new normal. You know, I read an article about this where owners now have kind of reset their goals. There's no longer exponential growth anymore. They've been through two years of downturn. So if they only were open till eight or nine, they only make X amount of money. They're okay with it because it's the new normal. And it's kind of weird because we're used to being able to go and eat dinner at 2.30 in the morning if we want to yeah. <laughs> after the bar. Good luck. I don't think that'll really be an issue in Las Vegas. No. No, it won't be in Las Vegas. We'll still be able to go to 
go to Denny's while you're blasted at 4 a.m. There's only about that. if yeah. it's that time and I'm in that state, all I want is White Castle. White Castle, no kidding. Which God. is horrible because it's on Fremont. You can go and get your $2 breakfast at Coronado at South Point. Yeah, absolutely. White Castle. Two, That's old. two bars at that casino. I don't, <laughs> I don't care who you are, dude. White Castle chicken and waffle sandwich at 2.30 in the morning oh, is legit. That's nasty. Gets me ready to shoot for the next day. I think the only time I've ever had a White Castle at 2 in the morning is in Louisville, Kentucky at Indoor Nationals. Yeah. Because there's a White Castle right next to it. Really? There's one right next to the convention center. 4th Street Live. There. Oh, my God. I already got it. So another thing we're going to talk about, because I, I want to bitch about this and I don't care. <laughs> Manufacturers are getting me a pain. Don't roll your eyes. They are. They're a pain. I'm just going to sit back. and I just got a text message from one of them. I, I just... Uh. <laughs> oh, these guys. Okay, I'm not going to... Right put some more Bayless in my coffee. Bayless? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's been rough, man. I uh, We understand. It's rough. We know what you mean. I never thought Everybody I used to always knows. I used to always look at some of the shop owners and say, "Man, you guys are just bitching." No, seriously. I used to be because I mean, I spent so much time in a shop as a consumer, as the shop brat, you know, as an employee, mm-hmm. and I used to always hear the man, you know, the shop guys and own it, bitch about manufacturers. And this has been going on for 30 years. I mean, I literally been in and out of shops for 30 years. And I used to think, "Man, they're just bitching. Just a bitch." You know, we got one here local, one a friend of mine now and has been for years and since I've been in Texas and He's been a shop owner for God close to 20, 25 years. And man, he used to, I'm like, man, he's just, he just complains about it all the time. He's just, he's just burned out. Mm-hmm. I get it. Five years, six years in, I get it. Mm-hmm. This industry will drive you to, to drink. Well, especially explode in the way that you have. Yeah. I mean, the medical, you know, it's funny you say that I'm driving back from Laredo and I was on the phone with a couple of manufacturers, reps, just getting angrier and angrier, just more annoyed they're annoying let's put it that way um and i don't care if they're listening i really don't but i literally said what am i really good at what are we really good at as a shop service i think we put a bow together we can fix anything out there better than any other shop around it's my opinion Mm -hmm. um what if i just quit selling bows and did nothing but service Low overhead. You joke, bro. <laughs> what do you What are you selling then? Intellectual capital doesn't cost you anything. Keep me up at night a little bit because I'm, you know, got so much work. But at the end of the day, what if I quit selling product or quit selling bows and just sold accessories? Yeah, you just turn yourself into like a service a, shop, like a mechanic. I'm, shop. A, I'm a service center. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like Napa. Mm-hmm. Auto parts, or not auto, not auto parts, but auto service center. You come in, you drop off your bow, I fix it. Yeah, I don't That's care it. where you. I don't give a shit where you buy it. I don't care who you buy it from. It doesn't matter to me. There's no more loyalty to the brand. I mean, because be honest, and I don't care what anyone says, and I don't. I don't care to share this. You don't make any damn money on the bows. The bows are a loss leader. At the end of the day, they are a loss leader, and, I, and I'm okay sharing that because and the manufacturer is going to hate me for saying I don't care. At the end of the day, you make your money on the accessories and the service that you provide to get the bow to do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if I could get rid of those, that part of the industry, which are a complete pain in my, you know what, bro, my life's so much better. I literally thought about this thinking, you know, because 
so true story when I, six years ago, because we had another shop in town, mm-hmm. um, and this town wasn't at the time that big. Bernie is not a very big town. wasn't. I, I, my intention was to open a service center. I even went to the other shop and said, look, you got a problem you can't fix. You know, you guys are in the business selling bows, send them my way. I'll take care of it and we'll fix them. And we'll just, and if they need a bow, I'm going to send them your way. Um, and then it just so happened that I, I got talked into carrying one brand um, through a friend of mine. I thought, what the hell? I'll carry one. It's, and I didn't think it was going to be a big seller. I have no problem telling you it was Prime. You know, Prime had zero footprint in Texas at the time. So I thought, yeah, if I sell five of these a year, it'd be a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know. And you sold a bunch. And, yeah. And then, well, and then, you know, we had another big manufacturer call um, when they found out that I opened a shop. And then that started me down that road of not doing what I originally had planned on doing. Because I was going to charge a premium service to fix stuff that I knew most other shops couldn't fix, provide a service to <laughs> the word we like to use, super tune a bow. <laughs> um, create FOC. Create, well, seriously, and that's what my whole thing was. And let's just get out of get out of them. I don't have to deal with the manufacturers. I'll have, like you said, low overhead. You know, my biggest pain in the butt in right now is accounts payable, accounts receivable. Oh my God. The very thing, the bane of my existence, the thing that I hate more than anything on planet earth. And this time of year, when we're getting into the meat of hunting season, it's the biggest thing in the industry because everybody's collecting right now. You know, we do these dating orders. I probably shouldn't. Should we talk about that? No. One thing I'll say about the archery industry is that everything gets condensed. A 12, 12 month year gets condensed into like a, Three, um, a month or two like a month and a half yeah you're right between you know like uh all our dated orders coming in between all of our term you know terms credit <clears throat> and stuff coming together and then new bows releasing you're paying off everything you bought last year and buying everything for next year all within 30 days or 45 days of one another yeah <laughs> and, 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 and let's be honest you're looking at <laughs> reason i put up three you're looking at three months most of your business is written in October, November, December between honey season and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where there's some shops. I, I know for a fact, I know a couple of them. They're not even open in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like they close April, May, June, July, reopen in August and go until the following March. And that's kind of like their sales cycle. Um, if they don't have a target archery community and they don't want to mess with it, which a lot of shops don't, target archers are a pain in the butt extremely high maintenance divas um, divas 100 percent divas and you know what's funny i i read an article or i was talking to someone about this and bridger you'll probably how many customers you think pay full retail value for a target bow what percentage what percentage pay full retail yeah. less than 50 I, I think it's less than i think it's less than 10 because let's be honest they're two thousand dollar bows you're going to tell me that as a as a retailer, you're not selling those discounted to give the guy a, a discount to get him to buy that two thousand dollar bow to get into a sport that is going to be about as high maintenance as you possibly can imagine. I mean, target archers are a pain in the butt. Love them to death. I'm one of them, but they're a pain. And that's just so my back to that whole thing that you're right. That three months is where you do eighty percent of your business, and everything comes to head in that one to one and a half to two months. I'm talking everything from bills to pay, orders to write, the number of people walk through that front door that need you know arrows and broadheads and go hunting, 
all that comes to a head. And as you know, one of the things that I got in my soapbox about was with these manufacturers is that I leave in September for 30 days. I'm elk hunting. Um, and it's funny because we have one manufacturer and I don't want to name who it is, but you know, they called looking for me. They called looking for the other guy. We're both hunting and they get ticked off and put us on credit hold. And, uh, and, and, and I literally, I literally called the company and said, Hey, so I'm not going to name the guy's name. So, so-and-so where's he at? Oh, he's elk hunting. Oh, I need to talk to him. You can't. Well, once you get back, well, not until October 15th. So six weeks. I can't talk to him for six weeks. Well, okay, I'm just going to quit buying from you because I can't talk to him. To put it in perspective for this idiotic manufacturer, and it's unbelievable. That's what they do. And, and I mean, it's like you are trying to get a hold of us in the, in the heart of our season. We're hunters too. <laughs> we, That's know, what drives sales. It's insane, dude. Yeah. That's what I mean. When I say I hate manu- these manufacturers, are they get they get upset this time when you're of the year. Around. I despise them. I, I literally I despise them. I I have no problem saying this. We fired five manufacturers in the last four, sixty days. Five. I just told them to go hug a tree. I mean, thank God there are other site manufacturers out there, other rest manufacturers. Thank God. <laughs> thank God there's Lancaster. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I have no problem sharing that we maybe. Um, I, I just despise them. God, they're just a pain in the butt this time of year. I feel like this is a disgruntled segment of the show. <laughs> well, because we're just so we're just so damn busy right now. I mean, I honestly, I ain't got time to deal with them. I'm gonna get a pet koala, and if I could hire someone like an APAR for like about what ninety days, what I need them just to I need take you care for of ninety everything. days just to deal deal with this part of the business. And here's the sad part. They'll quit after 90 days. Oh, hell, I ain't doing this. I'm out. <laughs> I don't care what you pay me. Done. That's crazy. Service center only, though. That's not a bad idea. You can buy a, a membership, I'll, I'll, like, I'll, a, like a AAA membership. For real, dude. I'll make less money, but be more profitable with less headaches. Especially now you're making house calls. Bro, that was actually a really good. That was a good trip. Yeah. That was a lot of PR involved in that one. We're not going to talk about it. No. That was fun. What else do we want to bitch about today? You good? No. I'm, you got it all something out? Else. I'm trying to look at my, my text to you last night. Was, hey, we got this, this, and this. So we, we talked about trying to do a little bit more tech because we haven't done tech and, and we haven't and any of that. Hey, stuff so real quick, time. let's talk about tech real quick because I wanted to talk about this today. Yeah. What's, what's new? Dot or pin? I got this question like 10 times last week. Indoor. For indoor? I think it depends on the shooter. I mean, I always run a dot, but I've I've ran a dot because I shot target for 10 years and I adopted that, uh, you know, a dot style pin for shooting 3D. But if you grew up, I'd say if you grew up shooting 3D, just throw a big pin in there. I do think covering more of the target so you see less pin movement or less dot movement is advantageous. But if you're used to looking at a pin, just put, throw a 29 or a 39 thou pin in there. Okay. Two power, six power. I think less is more. I agree. I shoot a four for indoor. Shoot a six for 3D. Yeah. Less movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm running a five for indoor. Are you really? So I the mean, school of thought there is... A lot I, of it's going to depend on what you're used what to. What you're used to, right. Yeah. Indoor generally is more of a passive aiming. Whereas, you know, if you're shooting outdoor 50 meter or 3D, it's more aggressive and more you know, of an in control aim, whereas like I said, indoor is passive. So you're trying to 
you don't just let it float around there and execute a clean shot. Right. You're trying to, I mean, I hate to say it, you're trying to not miss more so than you are trying to hit it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anything that can help calm your brain down to make you, you know, make it easier to hit that 10 ring. Right. Or an X ring on a five spot or whatever you're shooting at. I think that more you can do to help that happen, the better. 20, 29 millimeter, 42 millimeter scope. I like tiny scopes. Tiny scope. Better aim. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to center. Yeah. Easier to center. You run a smaller peep sight. Okay. Oh, well, I had another one. What was it? I, I find I find 31 to be a like the sweet spot. Do you neck down with it? Do you neck it down with a reducer? Though? I do. Yeah. So so I, mean, it's actually, I would say that most guys are somewhere around 30 mil. Yeah, I don't know. Bridger got me onto onto smaller scopes when we were at at uh, NFAA Outdoors. Mm-hmm. I ran a. Oh, 20, he's done it with me. I ran a twenty five, uh, one of those Excel twenty fives. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, shades, no shades. On your scope, this is indoor. Yeah. I keep my glasses. I mean, off. I, you don't need them. I think that's why everybody's sight sounds like they <laughs> sounds like a bag of hammers hitting the ground because they got a freaking. <laughs> Your fucking scope weighs four ounces, bro. <laughs> yeah, you don't especially need, those. You don't need a fucking telescope yeah, of those, shades on your right, sight housing. Yeah. Shooting well, 20 yards at a piece of paper. And I think you need more as much light as you can get to your lens See, as you, I, can, you can handle. I don't know how much. I, I don't think that affects how bright your target or how bright your sight picture is. Mm-hmm. I think it changes the clarity of your Correct. aiming reticle. So Correct. if you're shooting a pin... You know, a scope's going to help because you're going to help get rid of ambient light around that. So any so light shades will be better directly. It's going to make that fiber more vibrant. Whereas if you're shooting a dot, like it, you don't need to cover shade that dot because you, you have a black dot in there. It's always going right. to be black regardless how much light's on it. So, right. I mean, I've always ran specialty housings or like the shrewd uh, mini mags, nomad, the mini, mag. the mini nomad, mag. yeah, yeah, ultralight housing. So my sight isn't vibrating as much, right? You know, because if you're running the Excels, the Gibbs are going to wear. Oh, big you're time. Running a running the CBE, if you don't lock the the rapid adjustment, the you know that rapid adjustment is going to shift up and down a little right. bit. Every every site has its own little um, deal, you know, that you should or you know need to do to help keep that site more solid. Right. But do, if you make your site housing weigh less, if you make it lighter, you're just helping avoid a lot of those issues. Right. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm waiting to see what it's going to do with that new UltraView site. Yeah, it looks bulky, but it's really not it's that fair, heavy. That, no, that it's light. That size light. One that has a, quite a bit of shading. There's a lot of material in front of it behind yeah. the lens, and yeah. that lens sits pretty much dead center in yep. there. Maybe I think it's a little bit. To the it's back. a little to the back. A little bit towards you, but, the archer. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's not bad. No, it's for, for how much stuff is in there. It's fairly light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you compare that. I mean, especially light when you compare that to like, say, a shrewd optum. The optum is the one I come from. Optum, if you've it, got a front a tank. and a rear shade on it, plus a pin, plus your lens hanging it's a out lot in there, and your lens ring, or like, a bow finger. Dude, that fucking thing is heavy. And you think about how much that thing's shaking around on your sight is. Yeah, that's what's like, ruining those. Move. Yeah, that's why those, those bushings wear out. Yeah, the sights wear out. I can take that bow finger, screw it to the back of the bow, and use it for weight. Yeah, you joke. Um, Heavyweight, lightweight, 60 pounds, 70 pounds versus 50. I think whatever you're most used to shooting. Okay. I mean, I said, like, I'm glad Paige is, you know, not adhering to equipment stipulations for world archery. I shoot 67 pounds for everything on the result because that's what's most comfortable. On it. 
Right, right. So, so you don't like, deviate that even for I'm, indoor? No, I'll leave that. I shot 67 pounds for Everything. Reading. I shot it for field nationals where we're shooting 100 arrows a day. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I don't think it really matters. Hell, there was a year Dan made the shoot up, or that year that Dan McCarthy almost won. The, you know, he was in contention for the million bucks the last year. They had the He's shooting 80 pounds, million dollar he? thing. He was shooting like 70, 74, 75 yeah, it pounds was up at there. Lancaster. Yeah. But, I mean, he also showed up to Foley that year shooting like 83 pounds in PS27. So, exactly. I mean, he's yeah. a little, he's a little cocky he's a freak. every now and again yeah. on that. But, I mean, whatever you're used to shooting. Yeah. Long like, ATA, short ATA. Same thing. So, I love short ATA bows. Yeah. It's a preference thing that. for you. Yeah. I love that, that short 37 or the 36 it's result. A, it's the talking indoor. Mm-hmm. Indoor only. Veins or feathers? I mean, I shot veins last for the most part. The only reason I shot feathers towards the end of last year in Vegas and whatever the other indoor tournament I shot was was because I'd already had my bow set up for 3D, and I would have had to swing my cable guard way out for my to get clearance on my on your feathers on my no to get on clearance on my veins. So I was like, I don't know. Okay, so there's another. I don't want to retune my bow, so I'm just going to put feathers on my 27. Go so there's another question. So if your feather is rubbing your cable, are you concerned with that or do you leave it alone? It's a feather. It's going to fold out of the way. Exactly. I'm the same thing. So we get, I get a lot of questions because the feather's got a big profile. Mm -hmm. They do. And I've had a couple of our shooters, you know, saying, man, they look at it when they knock it. Man, I ain't got no clearance. I tell them, just don't worry about it. Trust me. It's going to get out of the way. feather's going to fold out of the way. A vein vein hitting your cables is definitely going to move. Going to deviate it. Right. And and even my indoor feathers, they get wore on one Feather. Yeah, they get, yeah, and I think if, they've if people you're running right helical with a right-handed bow, they're almost always going to glide on that. Yeah, people freak out because when you draw back, you know that feather catches yeah. and you get oh, yeah. that ruffle and, oh, and everything. Yeah. But <laughs> it doesn't so matter. I want to debunk something that I saw on the internet. I saw somebody shoot an arrow like normal. He had a he had a, a just a regular lizard tongue. Shot it normal. Hit an X. Turn the arrow. Put put the the cock vein down. Mm-hmm. So the the, the vein the or sorry the the feather was going to glide over the the lizard tongue, and claim that it does not affect at all indoor. I wouldn't say that it doesn't affect it at all, but if you do that with a feather versus a vein, big like, difference. You're still going to fold out. Catching a, yeah. catching an and I think that's and, and here's how you prove that: you go and paper tune a feather versus a vein. Correct. You, you actually want a feather. You'll get just little bitty cuts. You can barely see. You can it, barely yeah. see the yeah. feather because it's folding up when it hits it's the paper. Hit, yeah. It just doesn't matter. I think that's that's the only thing that was missing from that video. If you do it with veins, it's oh, not going to be the same. Heck no. I mean, it's ramping off of that. It's yeah. ramping on big time. You're gonna you're gonna end up. There's very little arrow, resistance arrow on the flight change. Yeah. From the you know that feather hitting the hitting the rest blade. It's going to fold. Versus, you know, versus the vein. Blade. Well, that's why people and I've I've said it forever. Mm-hmm. Feather is they're so damn forgiving because they're almost bulletproof other than water. But it all depends on yeah. it all depends I mean, on which one you use too. The vein's going to give you more steering just because there's less flutter to it. But you got to think you're shooting a 600 grain arrow yeah. at 20 fucking yards. Yeah, like it's not. Rocket I would science. much rather have the forgiveness of not ever having to worry about arrow clearance, right? And you know whether that arrow, you know whether if I've got a left helical and that feather's hitting my face, or right. if I'm shooting a right helical and I don't want to swing my cable guard, you know, three quarters of an inch outside of center, right? Like I can get uh, I can get away with a lot more on a feather fletched arrow than I can a vein fletched arrow. Now, right. if I'm shooting a bow with a ton of you know a lot of shelf space, 
and a lot of adjustment for the cable rod or for the cables and the cable rod and slide and everything. Yeah, I mean, throw veins on there. Yeah, if you're if you're shooting a drop away rest or you can index your veins however you want. Right. Yeah, by all means, go for it. Yeah. All depends. I think it all depends on the size too. You know, you can go with a three inch feather; it's going to be higher in the back, or a four inch that's going to be a lot lower profile. Mm-hmm. Same thing with with veins; you can go three or four inch, drop yeah. the profile a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of that. You know, it's. I think the reason I wanted to go through that Q and A real quick or that that or worse is just to you know let people know that at the end of the day. There are a couple of things that can give you an advantage, but you need to maybe try. The, I think the most polarizing one is dot or pin. pin. Yeah. And um, and like everything else, I think that's mostly personal. Like, I, But then again, you I mean, can't, I, can you use power in Vegas on light, on pins? You can, just okay. not on but the... But some of them you can't. U.S. Archery can't. It's U.S. Correct. Archery. That you or can't. World Archery, you can't use any can't electronics. Use electronics. But, but the rule, I think the rule of thumb we're talking about, the, probably the biggest difference between indoor and outdoor archery an indoor archery being, like you said, 20 yards, that's all it is, is kind of like where the, if you look at where the industry, or I want to say industry, where most people go is either a big dot to block out the target. We call it, I call it aiming, more natural, more safe, mm-hmm. and or bigger pin, like a 29th owl. And then, of course, the rule of thumb kind of always is less power at 20, more power at, at outdoor at 60 or 50. I mean, you don't need as much power indoors and it minimizes your movement. Because I think movement is why people miss more in indoor. Well, and the, the other thing with running a bigger dot or, you know, a lower power lens with a bigger pin is when, you, when you're able to cover more of that target, you know, like my, I run a two millimeter dot with a four power lens and it covers about halfway out into the nine ring for me. So I yeah. still see plenty of gold. Right. Because I'm used to aiming with a smaller dot shooting 50 meters. So like, you know, I want to have that smaller dot so I can aim off if I need to. If you to need to, right. Precise. Right. Indoors, I don't want to be that precise, but I still want to be able to see gold because that's what I'm used to looking at. Yep. But it still covers up enough that I, whether I've shot zero ends into that target or seven ends into that target, if I haven't missed any, like that, it still looks the same. I'm not Correct. seeing extra black holes right. from arrow holes in there. There's some guys that run a four power dot with the smallest dot you can possibly yeah. put on and they're shooting at holes and it's smaller yeah it's smaller than what the arrow hole would be yeah inside oh, yeah. the target so your sight picture's changing every time right so i never thought about it that way that's actually a really good point because you you see guys always fixing their their holes mm-hmm. you know you get behind the target and try to push the gold out so that you you making you're looking at a gold yeah, target if you, again if you run a bigger dot like you can't see the you can't see it anyways yeah you can't so see it anyways that way no matter what target you're aiming at no matter what shot group that you've shot so far like your sight picture never changes. Right, right. As opposed to running a really tiny dot, say you shot a half shaft 10. Yeah. You know, and if it's in a, say at Lancaster, you're not allowed to fix your holes. And I'm running a tiny dot and I shot a half shaft 10. That, every time I look at that effing target, all I see is that big black hole over there where I'm trying to aim in the center. And I'm like, all right. It's going to catch your eye. Don't, don't go so up there. And then I didn't know this. You can't fix your holes at Lancaster? Mm-mm. You can hang a new target whenever. Can you hang a new target whenever you want? Okay. I was just I didn't but know But usually that. if a guy's running that teeny tiny dot, shooting out a you know, a lot of guys will have the same amount of issues shooting a brand, you know, a blank face as they would shooting at a face with two or three holes in it that aren't right in the center. Right in the center, yeah. Damn, I didn't know that. That's pretty that's actually a really good point that I I think I've never considered. I always run a really big dot to make the entire gold I want to go away. I just don't want to ever see it again. So then if I have to shift over a little bit and I see a little quarter moon or a sliver, 
I don't freak out as much. But when I have a tiny little pin in the X and I can see the X and I try to keep it there and I start to deviate, that's for me, it creates target panic. I start mm-hmm. to freak out like, oh shit, I got to make a shot go now, now. And I'll rip one or punch one. And I always, my brain is always works a lot better. Seeing a sliver, I'm still off the same amount when I'm moving out of the X, but I don't, I don't correlate it near as much. It's more of a passive aim. 100%. Yeah, and then you can yeah, just make a small adjustment. Yeah. yeah, and then I got to make a, just a minor move to get the sliver to go away, and that's easy than having that little bitty pin and a little dot in that X. So I, I don't know. But I think the, the point being is that you need to try everything you can. Exactly. Don't be afraid to experiment. So which brings me to a point, and I'm, we're going to go a little bit forward here with 3D, but I mean, are dots becoming more prevalent in 3D? Or is I went, it, I I went so hybrid. Much, I don't know so much as dots as just center drilled pins. Yeah. Because I know when we talked to Chris B when he was here with UltraView, you know, he yeah, said that he's running the, running the dot. Yeah, and, and I'm running that UltraView 3. And all I did was I put a big black dot and a smaller green dot in the middle. So, so when you I, both. So when I want, I turn the light on and it looks like a, a bright green pin without the, the post. So now I'm not, I'm not looking at the post. You know, it's funny. I'm going to try that this year because my biggest problem with, and I love the ultra view scopes outdoors is the bleed out that happens with a, with a fi- center drilled fiber mm-hmm. on a blonde target. I mean, yeah, they come up with a new light this year. We're supposed to help that a lot, but still the ambient light and the sun can wash that thing out. And if I got a black dot up there, there's not a blonde target on planet earth. And I'm not going to be able to center and keep yeah. you know, see it. Basically. I tried that earlier this year or sorry, one of the, one of the local little, uh, 3d, tournaments that they put on over at the military base i went out there with anderson and i took that site out for the first time and when you get in direct sunlight it does wash it out a little bit and it's tough but if you're if you're in a semi-shaded place go nuts Which, it's perfect I mean, most proams exactly very few primes i ever shot in absolute full sun oh yeah exactly maybe, no we're not maybe hardly foley, foley and right at the yeah beginning it's of part of london I don't, of, if it's not raining well, yeah, usually there's <laughs> there's rain, so I'm not that worried about it. Yeah. Normally, it's just because there's not as much foliage in February. Right, right, right. So, in London, they cut everything into the timber, so even the power So, lines, now you're in the timber, the power lines? Oh, the dude, timber. I love That's that. That's good. Th- that tournament for me was, was amazing. Really? Hell, yeah. It was it was nice and cool. You didn't have in to In London, work. Kentucky? Yeah, it wasn't. No, I didn't go to didn't London. Go to Never mind. You went to Metropolis. Metropolis. Metropolis is perfect for you. Yeah, that place but it was awesome. nice and cool. Because you're in a canopy was, there. Yeah, it was, you didn't have to worry about the wind. Yeah, no wind. Canopy, you got perfect. The lighting is always the same. Yeah. Either, and it always sucks at 7.30 in the morning, yeah. period. You just can't see anything. I don't care who you are. So so there, I think that new light, because there's five light bulbs on that UV3, like yeah. you can, you'll, I don't think there's a situation on an ASA course yeah. where you wouldn't be able to get your pin bright enough. To see it. The, the other nice thing about having, you know, just a center drill pin is like Jason said, there's no post. So if you're aiming, if you're somebody like me that aims off of markers on the target or other people's arrows and stuff, yeah, you're, that post will never be in the way. Mm-hmm. So say somebody, say you're shooting at a 45 yard deer and he's facing to the right. So your 12 is low left. And my pin, normally if I run a pin, it's coming down from the top, right? Well, Correct. if that guy hits an IBO, that means he's up and to the right of the 12 ring. So I get to aim low and left to him. If I try and aim low left to him, I'm not going to know exactly how far off of him I am. Right. Because that post is going to be in the way. Yeah. But if I'm running a center drill like I normally run. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I can I can see all the way all around, the way around aiming, it. aiming reticle. So I can say, all right, well, I need I need to be on his 7 o'clock side. Yep. 
I can come down and literally see his arrow and just set my pin right next to it. You know, on the seven o'clock side of his veins and let it rip. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that year that I won pretty much everything in my class, at least, I shot that center drilled, and it's and what Bridger's saying is dead on. Mm-hmm. I mean. I never understood the you know guys that shoot up pins from six o'clock because you can't see leg lines when we use them for everything. I mean the leg line. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times you know when I used to shoot, I might be doing this or I'd move it over so I could see. Am I on, am I on where I need to be? And then to your point, you run the ten and two, which a lot of people like. You know, you're always going to run into that potential of blocking out something you need to reference mm-hmm. shadow. Sometimes it's a sun shadow or a sunspot, and all of a sudden you pull you pull up there and that sunspot's at ten o'clock, and you're like, oh shit, my pin's in front of it, and you yeah. start, you start looking around it. I mean, and it's the center drill lens is amazing. If you can get it to work and get your, you know, your brain to work around it, it is amazing because you can see 360 degrees. And, and most people it's, it's brightness and pin clarity. Correct. On that. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, I love the center drills for everything that you guys said and for a lazy purpose too. Yeah. It's really I, easy well, to put uh, it honestly, on. I was never a center drill guy until I drew his bow back one day and looked at it and I was like, holy crap. Yeah, and they're really easy to put a dot on. You yeah, don't even well, have to the sit thing. there and bend it. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to have your little, uh, what do they call it, the little guide or little yeah. template. You can go from dot to, to pin, from dot to, to fiber. Yeah, with a toothpick. Yeah. Take it off, take it on. No worries. Yeah, that's cool. Lots of interesting things. So, uh, yeah, the, I just wanted to go through some of that rapid Q&A real quick about indoor because, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel, but there are some differences. Um. And the season is ramping up pretty hard, so we'll, uh, yeah, we already opened. People are out there. <laughs> so anyways, um, that's it. That's a good rant. That was a good rant. No, it wasn't a rant. That was actually okay. Giving people a little insight into the back end of our industry. I think next time we, uh, in our next episode, I'm going to get Randy on from Black Eagle, Darton, Conquest. That'd be cool. Um, you know, Randy has some really good insight into that manufacturer's world i don't think he's afraid to share it and yeah he'll give it he'll be a great guest to talk through some of the things we actually touched on today mm-hmm. um he's on my good list though i don't randy doesn't bug me <laughs> like some other manufacturers we should have a conference call with all the manufacturers yeah god would that be funny oh i'd, I'd kill to do that that'd be so much fun no for real that'd be so we're much definitely fun. not like going to do that call when you put Two Chinese places on the phone with each other. <laughs> you know, if we, no, I won't go down there. That would be so much fun. Oh goodness, so much fun. Why Anyhow, say it. Nothing else. No. We should probably run our store. Think we're good to uh, yeah. catch up on the next one. Yeah. So the next one's going to be fun if we can get a chance to. So well, I'll tell you what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to do wireless headsets. So let me ask you a question. Yeah, you could shoot with this on. I like the fact we can hear through here. I'm being serious. And we're talking about doing like a little mini, maybe a half Vegas round. And you guys get to hear what we go through as archers and bitch and complain about what we try to probably have Allen wrenches everywhere. Kind of go through what went wrong, what went right. Yeah. And then we'll have Braden follow us around with the camera. Get to look at everybody's setup. We can do the podcast more or less with remote headset or at least without cords everywhere. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah, but it'll be fun. That would be a fun one to do, for sure. Because you will, God, you guys will hate me when I get done, though. I don't practice enough, and I'll be bitching about everything. Even though I did shoot 15 arrows the other day and shot 15, I mean, I shot a half-perfect round. Nice. Which I was pretty proud of. God dang, it was hard. Holy crap. 
I can't hold anymore. I Dude, suck. I haven't shot a 50 meter game since June. Well, June? Texas, no, it would have been the Texas shootout like two September, years ago. September of 2019. Yeah. yeah. It, I shot one yesterday and a couple of days before that. And like, you shot a whole round? Yeah. I, I mean, there were fun. ends where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. I'm good at this shit. <laughs> and then there were other ends where it's like, wow, I, I suck. Do not <laughs> practice enough. I'm <laughs> like shooting a. 353 with 257s. No kidding. <laughs> I, shot, I shot 257s and a 59 and 360s. Damn. Yeah, you got to clean so up like those. You got to clean up those 57s. There, yeah, there's some good stuff there. What are you shooting, Arrow? Pro Tour. Pro Tour? Yeah. With the result? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I thought he was going to go back there for a while. Go back to old trusty. Yeah, well, I did I was too. Going to until Paige said we didn't have to shoot less than sixty pounds. So, well, that's good. So I didn't have to set up my victory. Yeah, there you I go. mean it's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. So I will tell you this: if Elite takes their current platform and does what Matthews does and adds two inches on the top and bottom, which is all they got to do, I even asked the engineer, I said, "Just send me the send me the blueprint, the CAD CAM, and I'll I'll have my buddy do it for me." You know what would be cool, actually, is to take the one they're coming out with, literally, and give it to Pat, put it on the bandsaw, literally chop it off, give me two inches of metal and material, weld it back up, finish it off, and bring the bow back to me. You can shoot that one. Bro, no, it would be gangster. Weld the bow together? Yes, and it could hurt it. Right. Your welds are stronger than your, your weld, your weld joints are stronger than the actual material. They are, for real. That's, I've that's never metal really seen one. people weld aluminum. You ever, you ever welded us, ever welded an airplane together? No. <laughs> well, it's, it's welded. No. Every single one of those skins are welded. We we've riveted stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, that would be a. They're a new one coming out. If they do that to them, but when you know. do that, let me know so I can definitely have my camera going. <laughs> and Braden will have fine. his camera going. It is not that much. Pep. There's not that much pressure on seventy seventy five aluminum. Are you kidding me, bro? I have safety glasses. Oh my god. Plexiglass. It'll look, it'll look like you guys it'll be like that Alpha Elite that blew up. And like <laughs> that sucker just split. Yeah. All right. Till next time, folks. We're gonna sign off and get after it. We'll see you when we see you.